Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. We are talking with Rad Mom Susan Green today, and we're going to be talking about an initiative or a fundraiser that Rad Advocates is putting on through the months of September to November. And Susan has taken this on wholeheartedly. So we're going to talk about that today too, and maybe a little bit of her story because she is, as you would expect, a Rad Mom. Susan, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great to have you here. We were talking a bit before the show. I'm looking at a cello behind Susan. She's very musical and was just telling me this is one of the, how many instruments that you're now learning? Well, it's the only one I'm learning now, but we all, we kind of dabble, my my kids and I kind of dabble in several of them. So they take piano and guitar lessons and um, music has definitely been a way that we can kind of connect and also express ourselves. We really, really enjoy it. That's really nice. Really nice. So you're a rad mom. You have three kids, one with reactive attachment disorder. Tell us your story a little bit. Yes. Well, um, Ray came to live with us in 2015. Uh, we were doing foster to adopt. And um, actually at that time we had two foster kids, Ray and Julie. Uh, we were hoping to adopt a little boy. And then um, uh, Julie, they asked us if we would consider uh, bringing Julie into our family. So we, uh, we brought her in and then the very next day they called and said, well, there's a little boy who really needs, uh, needs a home and it, his first placement didn't uh, go well. And we were wondering if you would consider bringing him also. So it back to back days, we ended up um, with two foster kids and they were both with us for about eight months. Um, and then Julie went on to other things and we were able to adopt Ray at that time. So uh, it was a pretty chaotic time back in 2015. My kids were seven and five at that time, and Julie was seven and Ray was four. So they were all in in real close ages, but uh, it was it was an adventure for sure. Right, because you had two biological kids. Yes. Yeah. Right. You know, in every time I talk with a rad parent, I can't help but not giggle a little bit because it's definitely not funny, but I just, just those words of Ray was in a different family and that didn't work out, (laughs) right? That first red flag. (laughs) Right. And you don't, you don't really know anything, you know, going into this, unless you've talked to people or who have have friends who've experienced it or anything like that. Um, You just, you're just doing the best you can. You get with what information you get from um, child protective services or, or the foster agency is it's minimal. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you just do the best you can with, with the minimal knowledge that you have. And, uh, he definitely came in at four and was, I I told my friends, I'm like, he's like a little Tasmanian devil. He, he, it's just, uh, just chaos. Yeah. 
Um, but he was really cute. And, uh, you know, we, we connected with him pretty well from the beginning. It seemed like, uh, of course, th there was a lot to learn <laughs> about, <laughs> about what that means. Right. Did he attach, or I'm saying that in quotes or connect or call you mom or dad quickly? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. And, and it was very different from our foster daughter who wouldn't call us anything or give us any names at all. And then, um, yeah. And then Ray instantly was calling me mommy and, uh, very attached right from the beginning, but, um, that, that definitely changed over time. It just, there was several months of, I guess, uh, I, I don't even want to really call it a honeymoon period because he, um, he was having, um, severe tantrums and things like that. But, you know, I still thought, well, we have, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a couple of years before him to settle in to feel, um, you know, to work through some of that trauma. So, right. From your story, what would you want people to know? If you were to think of your whole story with Ray, what is it about your story or what did you learn as a parent from your experience? What, what would you like people to know? Well, I'm still very much in the middle of it, um, of my story. And so it's a daily struggle. Um, it's, a, you know, we were up several times last night. So it's a lot of not sleeping and not, uh, and, you know, calls from the school. I have a little, a little tracker, you know, that I, um, keep track of how often the school, like how many days in a row did the school call? And if I get to five, <laughs> I get to look at a pedicure. Oh, uh, that's great. I was going to say margarita, but pedicures work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, we're still very much in the thick of things. Uh, it's, it's a daily challenge. And I guess what would I want people to know for me, it's just by the grace of God, um, that we get through each day. And that is, I don't know how people could do it any other way. Um, because it is, uh, it is the biggest challenge of my life. Um, and probably always will be. Right. Right. And Ray is nine now. Is that right? Yeah, he's 10. Oh, 10. Okay. And I can really relate to those calls from school. We, <laughs> our first day of kindergarten, we got a call from the teacher oh, and yeah. I just thought, uh Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> I love how you cope with that though. Do you have any other ways to cope? So five days you've got your school call tracker and you go for a pedicure. If you hit five, do you right. have any other I love that uh, because it's really hard to cope. And I love that you're kind of taking this and finding ways to put it back on you. <laughs> like you earned that, which right. you did. Do you have other things that you do? Yes, ma'am. I mean, I, I have really learned through this that um, I guess two major things, well, three, I'll say three major things. Um, one is that you really can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And so I can't, I can't, I can be there and be ready to help. Um, but I can't give him more than he wants. Um, and so I've had to step back from that. And, and th that leads me right to my second, which is, um, I have really realized, uh, that going through something like this, um, living this daily battle and this survival, uh, this place of survival, it really is, I really have to take care of myself first. Um, and that is a hard thing to do as a mom uh, because your instincts are 
to take care of your kids. Um, and I, and my, you know, the siblings, uh, the rad sibs get a lot of special one-on-one um, -on -one time with me um, and, you know, other little things that we do. Uh, Ray goes to an after-school program and, and my other kids and I do a secret ice cream club and um, <laughs> I love that. All sorts of little coping things um, that help us to get through some of the tough times and and the most uh the biggest struggles are really about having um a network of friends who I can talk to um during those moments uh to to keep myself um in a calm as calm as possible place right people to help ground you again a little bit or peel you off the ceiling right so it's all yeah. about you know letting go a little bit of the control and um in in uh, finding ways um, to make life a little bit better or a little bit easier and, and a lot of support from other folks uh, helps me to do that. I love that you're taking time for you. I love that you've got the secret ice cream club and you're recognizing your, your, the siblings right. and then the support piece is huge. And one thing that you said, and this is, I always say that this is the secret to surviving rad and it's probably the hardest thing to do is letting go of that control, dropping your expectations or lowering your standards and just recognizing that, you know, some, we don't win at everything. And sometimes we're putting so much into, put energy into something that we can't control and that may never work out right. and instead of putting energy back onto ourselves. So it's that shift, but it's, I think the hardest thing to do. Oh yes. Yeah. It is really, really difficult when something occurs and, and, you know, you feel like there needs to be a consequence. Um, but you're, you're making that choice between if I, if I implement a consequence, we're going to have a, a massive two to two and a half hour meltdown. Um, but if I don't, I'm letting go of that, that instinct as a parent that, that there should be, you know, it, like you were saying, exactly. and not winning. And so, uh, again, it just takes me back to the place where, well, he's going to have to decide for himself when he's ready, um, to make a change for his life or to make a choice to have a better life. Right. Uh, we're not quite there yet. No, no, but I love that you're at a place where you can recognize it because I'm always, you know, I feel like sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to get there to finally let go of everything because there's nothing else left. We're at rock bottom. But I love that you're sharing that you're in a place even in the thick of it and you are doing this for yourself sooner than hitting that rock bottom because you know you have yourself, your partner, your two other kids. There's mm -hmm. four of you that instead of everybody, five of you sinking, there's four of you that can thrive and one that you hope will, and you'll still support, but at yeah. the same time, at least there's, you know, four instead of five sinking, right? So I'm, I'm actually doing this by myself now. Are you? That was one of the, the, I think the, the sad effects of rad on our family. I, you know, and I don't blame it just on that situation, but I think that had an impact. Sure. Uh, but I do think, you know, I did hit a point in uh, last spring where I had hit pretty close to rock bottom, if not already there. Yeah. And I was able to uh, send Ray to his other moms for the summer and, and get that respite for myself. 
Um, and that made all the difference in the world uh, to where I was really able to recover. Um, wow. So I, you know, it's tough. I, I feel for those other rad moms and dads that are out there um, because every day is trying to figure out how to survive um, and how to not reach that place of rock bottom. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So you did end up hitting rock bottom. I would say I, I was, I would say I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, you know, COVID did and uh, I think having kids home for extended periods during the COVID pandemic uh, has really accentuated the challenges uh, yeah. of our rad families. Well, and you raise a good point because it's not only hard on kids and siblings and ourselves, but it's hard on the marriage and relationships and friendships. I mean, you are speaking to that right here. Right, right. So it's hard enough doing it with a partner and now you're doing it without a partner. I am speechless. I'm so thankful and blessed that I was able to have that summer because that was really my first extended uh, break. And uh, during the spring, you know, we, Ray had, uh, my son had had a couple of hospitalizations and, um, and so we really were just at our breaking point. Um, and so that really was, a time for me to, um, you know, recover myself and my family. And then uh, that was followed right on the tail of that was the conference that we had in, um, in Denver, the Rad Advocates Conference, which uh, was also very refreshing and, and a chance to meet those other families and realize that other people are going through this too. And we're not alone as lonely as it feels. Um, so that coming on the heels of, of a summer respite uh, gave me the energy to, to do it, do it again. Let's oh, go. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And the piece about support is huge. Trying to do this on our own is impossible. Really healing on your own is impossible. You need, whether it's friends or support groups or, you know, conferences like rad advocates and getting, getting around other people experiencing what you're going through. Yeah. So important. So, you, your respite, your, your son went with his, with my ex, with your ex. Okay. Well, that's good. So you've got that. Yeah. You had that time. Wow. Yeah, so that was really, and, and that was huge for my biological children too. Um, I think they desperately needed the break. They, it, it, it kind of, I think one of the bit, biggest benefits of going to that conference was hearing from the bio siblings um, or the rad siblings, because you know, it breaks your heart a little bit as a mom. That first day that Ray left, uh, they came out of their bedroom. Wow. It was just, you know, just, it just makes you tear up because you realize yeah. the impact that it has had on them. And so uh, we just had just the most amazing and, and beautiful summer together and really, really spent some time together. Um, and then he came home and, you know, we were all in a better place, but, uh, but nevertheless, back to their rooms they went so mm -hmm. we look for those chances um whenever we can and i don't have a respite provider per se uh i think that summer was probably a one-time thing mm -hmm. uh, my mom um my parents come down and provide a lot of support and so um i focus a lot on getting a chance to get away with my biological kids um for a night or something like that we'll we'll take advantage of that uh to do something fun so right that they can come out again. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're doing the best with what you have and you have those moments and respite. If you can find it is definitely so important. So I'm glad that you have your parents. I mean, it, you know, and sometimes even just any respite, no matter how much or how little it's huge, isn't it? Right. Oh, I, um, one of the things I've had to learn along the way as well is there are not a lot of folks who understand reactive attachment disorder. So that involves a lot of me just letting go of my expectations for him while he's at respite. Right. Uh, or my expectations of the respite provider or the babysitter, because uh, it, it's not going to be, it can't be the same. They don't have an understanding. Um, right. So good for you. And I'm, I'm not anywhere near where I'd like to be. Sure. Uh, sure. Keep trying. You just keep going, keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. What are your plans? Ray is going to stay with you. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's interesting that you asked because I don't, I don't get that far into the future. I, I, that's another, another change in my mindset is just the, in the here and now. So yes, Ray stays with me and, um, and he'll stay with me until he can't stay with me. (laughs) Gotcha. Day by day, moment by moment. Exactly. So I don't know what that will look like. I have, I I don't have a clue what the future holds. Yeah. Here we are now. Here you are now. Oh, I think everything that you're saying, Susan, is so enlightening and impactful. You know, I talk with so many families and interview families and, uh, and it's just so common that core, our stories might be different, you know, the day to day and what we deal with, but the core of it is always there. And these are things that, you know, I had to tell myself and I try and tell parents now. And I think hearing it from you again, as a parent who's living it and doing it is so helpful. So thanks for sharing that insight. Thank you. I, I appreciate hearing that from you. And um, I don't have any particular wisdom. <laughs> well, I think you do. And I'm glad you're sharing it because whatever you're doing, I mean, it's working to some degree to keep your sanity <laughs> somewhat right. lower than it would be. And you're living some of your life as best as you can. Right. Probably sounds about right for the standard. It's I, I make mistakes all the time, and and again, there comes that grace, you know, because I'm constantly not doing it right, or 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 overreacting, or maybe not overreacting, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, and getting on that roller coaster with him, and um, it's a it's a battle to to get through each day and and stay in a good place. Um, yeah again you know i i'll do it for as long as i can and yeah and day by day i do feel like i have some hope for him um there are days when i don't and i'm worried for you know i i'm i'm really concerned about his future um but there's enough hope to keep me going right you know? now yeah 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 and again that, that could change uh, mm-hmm. that's where we are Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how hard it is to raise a child or children with reactive attachment disorder, and you know it takes a village. I want to tell you about two fundraisers happening that you can participate in and help make a difference in the world of reactive attachment disorder and help other families just like yours. 
The first fundraiser is called I Move for Change, and it's happening at radadvocates.org through the months of September through November. It's really easy. Head to their website, radadvocates.org, register, start moving, and you will be raising money for this fantastic organization who is supporting families and professionals and communities working with children who have reactive attachment disorder. The second fundraiser is a project that I'm doing at Rad Talk with Tracy. Head over to radtalkwithtracy.com slash radswag. I've partnered with Inspired Wire, who is creating a very simple, classic, personalized, hand-stamped bracelet that you can purchase online that is for you to wear to remember that you are strong and you are part of a bigger community. 75% of all proceeds, so 75% of each purchase, each bracelet goes directly to help Rad Advocates. You can help be part of the change. You can help make a difference. Head over to radadvocates.org, sign up for the I Move for Change fundraiser that's happening September through November, or head over to radtalkwithtracy.com slash radswag and purchase a bracelet for yourself or your entire family. Yeah, I just love how you're taking this head on in such a realistic way. That is a hard place to, we talked about being, you know, that parent mindset and wanting to take care of everyone and want the best for everyone and do everything for everyone. And however you get to that realization of, okay, this maybe isn't going to look like or be what I thought it was. How do I let go and save ourselves while trying to still help is huge, but, um, what do you do? And, and I think to the honesty about, yeah, some days we're not perfect and, and yeah. And triggered. And what do you do? Or do you have any things that you do when you get triggered? Uh, for me, the best thing for me to do is to call a friend. Um, because if I'm not in it alone, even though I am in it alone, if I'm not alone at that moment, so I have a lot of friends kind of on standby that I can just call and vent to. And I, and I'll just tell them, look, I'm going to sound really crazy for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sound crazy and then I can not come back to the situation and, um, and take it out on my son or react to him in a way that, that causes it to be escalated. Uh, he escalates on his own, you know, without me responding. So, so in my calmest and best reactions, you know, I, I've, I've told them I can last about 45 minutes yeah. and then to, you know, all of my calmness and, and, and doing it right. So-called right would be not, it, it doesn't make any impact. So then I start to get um, agitated and that's an important time for me to either take a step back if I can, um, or if there's a safety situation going on, you know, I need to call for help. Well, I don't want to in any way pretend that um, we don't, we don't get to some, you know, ugly places. Right. I think right. that's the nature of it. And I think that the trauma that these kids have been through traumatizes your house. Um, and you can't pretend that, that that doesn't impact you or your kids. Um, right. And you can only hold it together so long, right? I mean, we're human too, and you can only hold it together and be that adult for so long. It's human nature to get triggered and 
feel all those things. Um, I, I think it's important what you're doing is recognizing it. And then you have an outlet how to cope with that rather than staying in it and getting further down that rabbit hole. Right. A therapist that I was just talking to said something that I thought was really helpful that when you walk away from that situation to be able to say, I love you, we're okay. And then just leave. So you're leaving that child with something, but you're also pulling yourself away to take your time and do your breathing or talk to your friends, whatever it is that you need to do, but that leaving that situation is okay. And what I liked about that was because, you know, we're heated and in that moment too. And when you leave, it can feel really ugly and be really ugly. So having those words, as much as you may not mean them in that moment, because let's be honest, right? You probably don't, but just to say, I love you. We're okay. And, and it's a gentle way to feel like you did something kind and productive to leave that situation. And then you can go take care of you. Yeah, no, that's wonderful advice. And I, you know, I, I think that at the end of that too, those times that we fail as moms or, or dads or whoever, I mean, like you said, we're human and we get, we react and we get angry and we get hurt. And, um, and so you have all of that guilt. Like if I had done it better, or if mm -hmm. I was handling this better, or if, you know, I'm the adult here, why am I getting so angry? And so being able to step back from that at, or at the end of that rather, and forgive yourself uh, is, is the trickiest part. I think um, it's really tricky and so important. And you're right. All those things. I mean, I remember thinking I was going to be one type of parent and, uh, I ended up being a yeller. I was angry all the time, right? Short tempered and in, and you know, and it feels so awful in that moment. And that's not who you want to be. And all that extra pressure on yourself for sure. That's, that's very important to um, acknowledge your own trauma and that it's separate from who you really are, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, in getting to that place where you, like you said, the darkest places inside your own self where you didn't realize you could be that angry or that, um, that you could feel that way, you know? Right. And that's, that's hard. Um, I don't think that there's been anything in my life up to this point that has pushed me so close to the edge um, where, you, right, you know, you almost don't recognize yourself. So knowing how to come back from that um, to get help or to get uh, or to reach out to a friend or to to do one of your coping skills or whatever, um, and then to forgive yourself, because like you said, that's not who you want to be. And for me, there have been moments where I've had to redefine what I would have identified as um, maternal love, mm -hmm. not feeling the way that I want to feel um, with the depth that I want to feel it towards my own child. Um, and so I've had to, to step back from that also and go, okay, but I do still love him. And that looks like this instead right. of instead of what I always thought it should look like. Exactly. What you said there it hits it right on the head. It's redefining your role as the parent, uh, what you thought it would be, you know, and sometimes we end up being more of a support person, right? right? And we're not that, that close knit relationship, mom, child 
doing all the things that you imagine doing. Yeah. And you do. And I think that's very freeing. Well, I know that that's very freeing too, is being able to acknowledge that and be okay with it. And just again, let go of your hopes and the dreams and what you thought it was and then embrace what it is. And right. There's so many elephants in the room. I think when we talk about rad and, uh, and I think that there's one of those is the expectations that we put on ourselves and feeling like if we, if we're open and honest about, you know, yelling or shouting or slamming doors or saying the wrong things and, and not wanting to hug or not feeling love for your child in that moment, those are things that we can often hold a lot of shame, feel very shameful. I mean, who wants to admit that? Right. But just knowing there's other people and that, you know, it's, it's really rad. And I don't mean the child. I, I mean, it's the trauma and the reactive attachment disorder that creates this chaos in families. And just to be able to separate yourself from that, first of all, and know that this is the disorder, this is how it presents in the family and the trauma. Um, but just being okay, talking about this stuff and, and making it real. And yeah, it's ugly. It's embarrassing. It's shameful but it's there and that allows us to let go and just kind of plan what, what it's going to look like from there. And that letting go and that acceptance piece is not something that for most people, or at least for me, is not something that happens. It's, it's not a decision that you make and then feel that. Right. Um, it's really a daily decision, daily struggle to, okay, you know, can I let is this yeah can I let go of the control letting go of the consequences that you know you feel like they should have um letting go of uh what you expected what your expectations were and accepting that this is what our family looks like now or this is what I look like now it's just not not what you thought it would be or not what you wanted it to be but that doesn't mean that it's that there's not good in it right right yeah well I'm glad you're sharing all of your insight and wisdom. I think a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate to it. So tell me about I Move for Change. This is the fundraiser. How did you get involved with Rad Advocates? And then now you're really moving forward with the I Move for Change fundraiser. Talk about that. Well, to be honest with you, I'm not really entirely sure how I found out about Rad Advocates. <laughs> yeah. Um, Either. Uh, and so I just remember I started to get the emails. And so I must have signed something somewhere or clicked something somewhere that resonated with me. Um, and I started to get their emails. And so when I heard that they were doing this conference in, in August, I was like, I have got to see if I can make this work because right. going out and meeting other people and not being so alone in it all um, is tremendous. And yeah. um, it was very emotional and hard, but it was also, it also kind of gave me some hope. Um, and, and so validation. It, yes. And validation and, and a feeling of connection to a community that, that I'm not doing this alone. There are other people going through these exact things. Right. And you're not crazy. As we experience a lot of gaslighting and you lose your sense of reality and what's real or what is a big deal versus not a big deal. Uh, and so I hear a lot of parents, including myself saying, you know, oh gosh, I'm glad I'm not crazy. 
when they find other other people. Mm-hmm. Feedback from others who are interacting with your kid about how good he is. Yeah. It's hard to even respond in those it moments. Is. Yes, he is. I mean, he, he threatened to kill me last week, but yes, he's a good kid. Right. Um, so <laughs> struggle to respond to all of that. And that contributes to your feeling of, am I crazy? Is it just me? Mm-hmm. Um, so going to that conference and meeting the rad advocates and, and feeling like, okay, there's actually an organization out there that's pulling for us. Right. Um, the first genuine experience with that and realizing that uh, there, there would be help available. Um, and to be honest with you, the, the knowledge that if something, if it gets really bad, uh, I d- I'm not going to have to go through whatever is next alone. Right. Uh, so even though I'm not there yet, knowing that there's a safety net, right. Um, I guess is how I would describe it is huge for me. So I right. came to be part of, I move for change. Uh, it was very easy for me to, to want to do that, um, to jump in and, and try to you know, raise whatever funds I can so that they, if, even if they never end up having to advocate for me, that they're advocating for other families. Right. Um, right. Uh, and it's different than support in that the advocacy piece, I think is huge because, you know, often we're dealing with big organizations, whether it's, you know, child, youth and families departments, whether it's police, whether it's, you know, an RTC and an entire team of therapists and doctors trying to, you know, work the system so that your child is going to go back home to you and an unsafe situation. I mean, these are, are, um, things where having an advocate by your side, instead of just being that parent facing these big situations and big teams alone, helping you navigate through that and taking some of that pressure off and taking the lead allows you to be more heard and helps the situation. And like you say, then you don't have to do that stuff alone because that's big and scary for everyone. Right. Yeah. Like I said, knowing that somebody is there that understands it, like genuinely understands it and is not just, well, I've read about this, heard about this or studied it. Like they've lived through it. Right. It's huge. Yeah. So I move for change. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing. What, how are you making this work? What's, what (laughs) movements, what are you doing? Well, I'm jogging. Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of, um, would like to do something for myself and getting a little bit back in shape, I think is, is important to me. And so, uh, my thought was, well, I'm just going to say, I'll do a mile for every $5 donated because I thought, well, that gives people the opportunity to just donate something small, five or $10 and, and maybe opens it up for more um, friends and family to contribute who might not be able to do a big amount or, or feel led to do a big amount. And so anyway, that was my thought. And then um, it's going really well. <laughs> so <laughs> I owe about 200 miles. Um, wow. Congratulations. So I'm, I'm not, qu- I'm not quite at 200, but I'm, I think I'll reach it. Um, and so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled, um, to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm just posting, um, updates to my friends and family and letting them know that uh, I fully intend to, to keep my end of that, um, and to run for a mile for every $5 raised. Wow. Good for you. And you've got until November. So who knows how much you're going to raise at this point? Well, if I've got to do all the running by the end of November, I need to get going. Uh, (laughs) 
I've done about uh, 55 miles so far. So I, I'm just chipping away at it day by day, which is pretty much how we live our lives. So right. um, feeling like I've been able to support that um, is really a big deal right. for me. Right. To be able to give back. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the movement doing for you? The running? I mean, is that something you would have thought of doing before this fundraiser and, you know, movement's so important in dealing with trauma. Uh, what have you found that's doing for you? I think exercising and moving your body and, 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 uh, getting in shape and all of those things obviously have huge mental health uh, benefits. Yeah. I can't deny that. I do feel the benefits of um, going out there and doing that. And everybody has something different. Not everybody wants to jog, swimming, bike, or kayaking, or or really anything yoga or something that gets your body out of its enclosed space of stress. um, I think is really important. But also making that time Mm. is really challenging for rad parents. Yes, and. get, you know, an hour or so to yourself to work out. How do you do that? You really have to be creative and committed to make that happen and finding a way to do it in, you know, for some people that might be five or 10 minutes here. And then 15 minutes later, um, for me, because of my particular schedule, I'm able to do it in the mornings when the kids get on the bus, if they get on the bus. (laughs) Right. So it, it, it's, it's beneficial all around. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, again, those expectations, it might not work out one day and that's okay. Right. Your kid doesn't get on the bus. And so we learn, it's kind of what we've been talking about throughout this, uh, interview is yeah, just letting go of some of those expectations. And I think too, when people hear exercise or, and I, what I like about the word move instead of exercise is that, you know, we think, oh, it has to be this hardcore, you know, 30 minutes hour on a bike or a run or have to go jogging and it, to get the benefits, it really, really doesn't like you're saying, you know, we can go for a walk, just go walk around the block. Movement is movement and benefits you. And I learned that, um, as a cancer survivor, I remember learning that just going for, you know, a 30 minute walk three times a week, reduced your, chance of recurrence of breast cancer, you know, by 20 or 30%. And that blew my mind because I just always assumed, oh, you have to work harder than that. You have to do so hikes, walks, it can be as simple as that. Right. You know, I think it's really beneficial to your, your physical health, your mental health, but um, also figuring out how to make it happen. Right. And having that energy, because that's the big thing that gets sucked out. I, Susan's laughing right now. Um, but, uh, having that energy and that's why I say just walking around the block or, you know, maybe going up your stairs a couple of times up and down. Right. Well, something that energizes me towards it, um, is the fact that I feel like, okay, this could make a difference for someone. Yeah. Um, That's a big change over just trying to go out and, and, you know, get in shape or jog myself. Um, this is really about like, okay, every mile that I'm doing, really could make a difference for someone or every, you know, every five minutes that you spend walking or, or doing the stairs, um, you know, you, you make that commitment to the folks who donate and they're going to donate. Right. Right. And you're giving back. Yeah. You're helping another family like you that might not have had a chance to be helped. And it's much more motivating than just doing, trying to do something on my own. Yeah. That's a great motivator. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. 
Is there anything else? You've given a ton of great information, uh, lots of good insights and things that I think can never be heard enough because wherever you are as a rad parent in it, um, you know, this might not be something you can do now, but it gives hope to work towards and knowing that other families and people are, are doing it. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your story, about rad, anything else that we left out? Um, I, I'm not sure that we left anything out, but just to, I guess, reiterate two things. And one is for other rad, for rad parents, really to be kind to yourself um, and forgive yourself and be gracious to yourself. And um, you are going through a lot and it can break you. And so being kind to yourself through all of that in whatever way that looks. And the second piece is just for me personally and my faith, um, thanks be to God for getting me through every day uh, because I, I don't know that I could have survived this journey so far um, without that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When is your secret ice cream club or is it a secret? <laughs> um, we go Tuesday afternoons. Tuesday afternoons are a time we have nothing else on the schedule. So that's as soon as the kids get home from the bus. And then my son is at the after school program. Uh, the, my biological kids and I go out for ice cream. So. Wow. And every week. So you've got at least that time together, right? That they're out of their rooms and today's secret ice cream club. Don't forget to look forward to and have a, a few minutes with me. And then, um, you know, if we have a few things else that we scheduled, a few other things that we scheduled during the week that, uh, that they can come back and connect with me when I'm not um, busy, you know, handling yeah. And how does that feel when you're together and bonding for all of you? It's the best time of the week, every time. It, that, that feeling of connecting with them and them feeling like they have my, my attention, my full attention. Um, there's nothing that can take away from that. And so that's, it's the most valuable time that we have. Well, Susan, thanks so much for sharing everything that you've talked about today and talking about the fundraiser. And if people want to get involved with the I Move for Change fundraiser, uh, I will post information, but it's radadvocates.org. You can go and sign up. You've got until November. So there's lots of time left to get involved and uh, good luck with the rest of it. And thanks for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Tracy. And thank you also for everything that you're doing um, to help families get through this, because that is no small thing to give back after all that you've been through yourself. Uh, So thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.